turn into Hebrews chapter 12, and then to Romans chapter 7, Hebrews 12, Romans chapter 7. If you're a note taker, we will also at some point look at John chapter 3, Galatians chapter 3, and Galatians chapter 6. You sure use a lot of scripture, preacher. I do. There's a reason for that because my opinion doesn't matter. But what the word says is everything. Sooner I I learned that and the rest of us learned that the better off we'll be spiritually I don't know if you know it but I have an opinion about everything <laughs> I don't know why y'all laughed hmm. but you know if my opinion doesn't match the word of God Yeah. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 12. Today I'm reading from the New Living Translation. If that causes anybody to backslide, I'll be with you, with you again here in a minute. People fight over dumb things. Let me restate that. Church people fight over dumb things. And is that breaking news to anyone? <laughs> strain. We strain at a gnat, swallow a camel <laughs> often. People are traveling on this end of holiday weekend. We're glad that everybody, I hope, had a great. Thanksgiving, got to see family and friends and oh, eat. I don't know if y'all ate, but we ate. <laughs> Some of us are still in a food coma. There's a lot of still flu going around too. We need to pray for those folks that just a lot of junk going around. Not a great, there's, nobody ever has time for that, but this is certainly not the time of year for it. Amen. So you're starting a little slow this morning. No, I've just got a few things on my mind. Let's read Hebrews chapter 12, then we'll share a few things and get started. If you're new to MAG, first time here, Welcome. You, we uh, love you and want you to be a part of us. We will make you feel at home. Um, you have found a church that values the Word of God above all else, that believes that Jesus is the answer, that His Word is the standard, that He move, still moves in power by His Spirit, that He still changes lives today, everything He ever was, He still is and always will be. If that's what you're looking for, you have found it. <laughs> Thank you all three of you for convincing them of that. <laughs> and you've also found a preacher that might say anything. You just never know. 
<laughs> That's nervous laughter there. Hebrews 12, New Living Translation, says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. That's a great way to say it. Let us strip off, who? Us. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Let me tell you, if you're going to live for God, you're going to have to have some endurance. You are. You're going to have to have some endurance. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. The champion who initiates and perfects our faith. King James says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Looking, we do this, what? What's he talking about? First of all, let me just lay a little groundwork. Now, last week you got thundering, spitting J.R., that's not what you always get. <laughs> Sometimes we need to slow down and understand what the Word says. We always need to understand what the Word says. So I always, every time I read Proverbs, or Hebrews 12 and 1, I'm always compelled to talk about those opening verses. Therefore, since we're encompassed about by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us because there's so much error based on that Scripture that's made its way into the church. The therefore is what it's the always therefore for. <laughs> when you see therefore, it's referring to what you just read. Hebrews chapter 11, the hall of fame of faith, you know, by faith, by faith, by faith. And when it gets to the close of Hebrews 11, it says, therefore, let us. Seeing that we're encompassed about by such a great cloud of witnesses. It's not talking about people in our family that have died and gone to heaven and they're watching over us from heaven. That's not what it's talking about. Uh, I, maybe that's what you've always thought. I, I, I've certainly had that brought to me many times. There's certainly a lot of people that believe that somehow that the people that have gone on before us are somehow watching over there. Let me tell you something, they are not. Not now, not ever. They are in the presence of the Lord. They're unconcerned about the things of this old fallen world. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. In, their soul and their spirit is in the presence of the Lord. They are enraptured in His presence not mediating the things of earth. And that is literally what people, when you say, oh, so-and-so is watching over me. No, they're not. There, we talked about it in Sunday school this morning. There is but one mediator between God and man. That is the man, Christ 
Jesus. As long as we're in Christmas time, I might as well throw it out there too. <laughs> Set some records straight. <laughs> Go ahead and watch Miracle on 34th Street. Or no, 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 it's not the one. It's it's a wonderful life. I like it. But let me tell you something. Every time a bell rings, a bell rings. Let me help you. I'll repeat it again. Every time a bell rings, a bell rings. You're thinking, it's not an angel that gets his wings. You say, what are you talking? I'm fixing some things right quick. I'm just on the way by. Because somebody, somebody needs to know it. If you don't do, if, you, if, I, if we close after these few statements, you can, you can go home and you can have some scriptural truth that you can build some things on, okay? There is at no point that a human being ever becomes an angel. Ever. When they're little, when they're big, when they die, when they live, a human being is not an angel and an angel is not a human being. And, they, and one never becomes the other. They're two complete. That would be like cows becoming horses. Please tell me you know that cows can't become horses. <laughs> Genesis is clear that everything reproduces after its own kind. Human beings do not become, oh, I, I don't have time for the tall weeds. There's only one time, twice, that that's ever anything close to that ever took place. And now we have demon spirits as a result of it. Because that was a hybrid that God never intended. Why are you saying that? Because people need to know the truth. Because we are, because of what he says next. Looking unto Jesus. I'm not looking unto grandma. I have a heritage of Pentecost on my mother's side that I am thankful for. I'm thankful that Jack and Mary Crenshaw got saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit and were charter members of a Pentecostal church of God that brought the heritage of a full gospel ministry to my life. I am thankful for that. But Mary Crenshaw is not my source. I'm looking unto Jesus. I'm still here because Mary Crenshaw is not watching over me. She's not guiding me and she's not protecting me. She's in the presence of the Lord today. There's a reason why this is important besides that it's annoying. Besides that it testifies. Well, I didn't think you were going to get thundering, Jr. You might here in a minute. There is nothing that testifies of the scriptural illiteracy of the church in America more than these things that we are talking about right here. Because if you, if you know the word, you cannot believe those things. And you would not even repeat those things. And you will kindly correct those things. Kindly. Probably not the time to do that. It's probably not at the visitation at the funeral home. That's probably not the right place. 
<laughs> What's that? Wisdom. <laughs> well, as long as we're almost in a teaching mode, we're going to read more scripture in just a second. Let me help you with that. Because see, I just gave you knowledge. Hello? I just gave you some knowledge. Now, what is wisdom? That's the proper application of knowledge. That is knowing when to use your knowledge and when to keep your mouth shut. And at the funeral home, is probably not the place. Oh, they're just an angel. Well, I know they're not. A human never becomes an angel. That's not wise. Solomon said there's a time and a place for everything. That's not the time nor the place, likely. Are you still with me? The cloud of witnesses is what they just talked about. You've seen the, the witness of, of, of Moses. You've seen the witness of Abraham. You've seen the witness of Sarah. You've seen the witness of Samson and David and Barak. You've seen the witness of the, of the ones that chose death rather than, rather than to be delivered. You've seen the ones that had the, 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 their, the, their dead raised back to life. But you've also seen the ones that died in the faith not having received the promise. It says of whom the world is not worthy. He says now that we can testify the things of faith, therefore since we have these witnesses let us run with patience endurance the race that is set before us it doesn't even say looking unto Moses it doesn't say looking unto Enoch or Noah or Sarah all these people that died in the faith it doesn't say looking unto them it says looking unto Jesus who is the author that means the beginning of and the finisher. He's the ending of it. It's all in him. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and now is seated at the place of honor. Beside God's throne. Looking unto Jesus. Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7. I'll even go ahead and tell you what, we're, what we came to talk about this morning. We come to talk about struggle. How many human beings are in the room? I've seen some of you didn't raise your hand. That's a little concerning. <laughs> Let's just go ahead and establish the fact that we're all human. That's a good thing to establish because, see, when people mess up, they say, well, we're just all, I'm just human. We're all human. Well, we're all human. And there's one thing I can tell you about being all human is that we all struggle. First time to MAG, 50 years at MAG, anything in between at MAG, first time you've turned into MAG, I want somebody to hear a preacher say it, we all struggle. There's some that would want to give you the impression that when you get saved, your struggle goes away. That's not true. That's a false statement. In fact, most of the time, it begins your struggle in some areas. Because, see, you were sold to sin and you didn't care before. Yeah. 
And now you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. It changes who you are. It changes how you think. So now you begin to struggle with the things that didn't used to bother you at all. Do you... Then you, now another, when, when sometimes when we talk about struggle, the preacher will stand up and talk about, they'll tell the testimony going on in their life 20 years ago. That's, that's fine. But we want to leave the impression that we struggled 15, 20, 25 years ago, but we don't struggle now. That's a little disingenuous, Matt. Because you know what? I struggle. You know why? Because I'm still in flesh. I'm still in this world. I'm still influenced by the things I see, that I smell, I taste, that I touch, that I hear, and so are you. I think that's why Paul said things about like I have to die every day. I think it's why Jesus said, if any man comes after me, let him take up his cross when? But first, deny himself. Take up his cross when? Daily. You got to kill this thing daily. You got to die daily. Because we struggle. Far too long, I've watched as the church in a circular firing squad killed their own I've watched the politics at times when 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 the person with, with that could write the checks could could get away with things but the but the person that was just faithful would be excommunicated for the same thing and all the while Acting like struggle means you're lost. There's preachers been in the pulpit for 50 years that still want to preach them people struggle that they're lost. It's just not the case. Struggle is no indication of the condition of your heart, of your soul. Struggle is an indication that you're a human being. That has a body, that has a will, that has a sin nature. We have a sin nature. You were born with it. Some would have you believe that when you got saved, your sin nature died. That's just not true. Can your sin nature be overcame? Yes. Is there a way to live in victory? Yes. But on this side, Paul even talked about it to the Philippian letter. He's, he was talking about living sinlessly and perfect. He said, you know what? But I've not attained it. He said, I have not attained. This is Paul who gave us the revelation of the new covenant. He literally tells us what it is that Jesus done and how to live for him. That's Paul. And he says, I've not attained it. But that was no excuse not to pursue it. He says, I've not attained it. He says, but I'm pressing towards it. Looking unto Jesus. He says, you ought, he, he said, we're encompassed about by these people who, who won the race of faith. Now let us run with endurance. 
Lay aside everything that slows you down and the sin that so easily besets us. Looking into Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. That is the key to winning against the struggle. On a Sunday, I know in many ways this feels like what we would do on Wednesday night. The Sunday morning crowd needs to hear that we struggle. Struggle doesn't make you reprobate. It doesn't make you rebellious. And it certainly doesn't make you lost. It makes you human. But hear me, the solution for struggle is not in my will. Your will is never going to be the factor that gives you victory, ever. If you can win the struggle against sin and the struggle, the struggles, the spiritual struggles out of your will and out of your own strength, Jesus did not have to die. That's what you need to understand. If you had in you what you needed to win the struggle from your will, then Jesus didn't have to die because you didn't need it. Fanny Crosby wrote, Let my will be lost in thine. Draw me nearer. Nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where thou hast died. Draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to thy precious bleeding side. And that's it. The answer is in who he is. The answer is in what he's done. Jesus is the answer to our human struggle. Oh, it's better news this morning even maybe than what you're hearing. We're not talking about excuses to live any old way you want to. Paul addressed that in Galatians. He he put an interesting statement in the middle of chapter 6 that for years I knew what the statement was. It's spiritual law. I understood what the statement means, but I never understood why it was where it was at in the Word of God. See, because the book of Galatians is written in its entirety about, about the Galatian church having been born of the Spirit and going back to the law and to walk it out of the flesh. He said in, in Galatians chapter 3, verse 3, he said, Are you so foolish that having began in the Spirit... That you're going to live it, walk it out, win victory in the flesh. Are you so foolish? But in chapter, so he, he spends the entirety of this book talking about how that the law would give them nothing. To be circumcised or not circumcised. He said, circumcision avails you nothing. If you want to, if you, if you want to get circumcised, get circumcised, but it's not, but it's not going to help you with God. If you don't want to, that's fine too, Gentiles but it's not going to make you spiritual or unspiritual. Your faith can't be in that. It goes through the whole law the same way. And then it gets down to chapter 6, and it begins to be interesting. I, I already mentioned it. It says, you know, if you have a brother 
who's overtaken in a fault or in a sin, it's a sin, says, let you who are spiritual restore such a one with kindness, with gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also fall into the same thing. I've told you far too long the church has kicked people out, kicked them down, or killed or finished them off instead of raising them up. And in all of this, you can begin to think, you know, because it's not what you've done, it's what he's done. Hear me. It's not what you've done, it's what he's done. I will never be holy enough in my flesh. I will never, there is, there is, Paul said in me, I know there dwells no good thing. Do you know that? That in you dwells no good thing. You can't fix you. My righteousness is always going to be filthy rags before him. He said, there's none righteous. No, not one. It's not what I've done, it's what he's done. He said, but you, then you get into the, 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 the other side where you, everybody's having to live perfect or going to kill you, <laughs> spiritually. Or you go over here just live any old way you want to and call yourself saved. That's not it either. And that is why Paul put it where he put it. You know what he said in Galatians chapter 6? He said, God's not mocked. God's not mocked. He said, you, what, let me tell you what he said. If you think you're going to live any old way you want to and call it grace, he said, God's not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. He said, if you sow to the flesh, you will of the flesh, what? Reap corruption. If you sow to the spirit, you will of the spirit reap eternal life. God knows what your seed is. He knows what you're sowing. You're not fooling him. You may fool me. You may fool your mama, your grandma, your pastor, your co-workers. You may fool it, but you are not fooling God. He knows what's in you. He's not mocked. You're not mocking him. Nobody, listen, no one is going to pull anything over on God. Not now, not ever. It's not going to happen. He said, but the solution... It's in him. This is the same place where Paul begins to tell. He says, it's not my knowledge. He told the Corinthian church, it's not my knowledge. See, he was educated in the law like no one else. When I came to you, I didn't come to you with enticing words of men's wisdom. Was it with excellency of speech? He wasn't a great orator. I didn't come with human wisdom. That's not going to cut. He said, but I come. So that you can hear that it's Jesus Christ and him crucified. It's him. It's what he's done. It's who he is. It's what he's done. He said, it's not that I have enticing words of men's wisdom. In other words, he was telling you, because there's so, Jeff, let me, there's preachers that think if, they're, if they polish their sermon enough, if it's theologically impeccable and doctrinally perfect, and that they can deliver it with swelling words and they can move the crowd that people will get saved because they were so persuasive. He said, I didn't come to you with enticing words. It literally means persuasive words. Yeah, hey, I didn't come to you with a way that I could persuade you to receive Jesus. 
See, I didn't come to you with excellency of speech and tossing words of men's wisdom, but I come to you where there would be a demonstration of the power of the Spirit of God. Because that's where lives are changed. I've heard people, I've known people that were so backwoods ignorant. Hicks, hillbillies, for real. I'm not being derogatory. I'm telling you who they were. They, didn't have, they, they couldn't spell education, much less have one. They pronounced their words wrong. Every tense they used was wrong. Half the time you'd have to have an interpreter. because they, And you know what? They could, they could begin to sing or they could begin to talk about the things of God with very little education. And the power of God would fall. And you know what would happen? Lives would be changed. People would be saved, delivered, healed by the power. Not, not because they had an education. Not because they were persuasive. But because they walked with God. And the power of God flowed through their life. I've heard people, I, I like singers to be good. I like musicians to do it right. I like excellence. But I've heard people that if they couldn't carry a tune in a bucket with the lid bolted down. And step up behind the pulpit and begin to sing between the cracks out of key. And you know what would happen? The power of God would fall. Because it wasn't about them. It was about him. I want you to hear something. We, it's not about you. It's about him. Somebody this morning needs to know that we all struggle. Let's read Romans chapter 7. Much debate over Romans chapter 7. There's a lot of, of Bible teachers that try to make this out that Paul was, this was unsaved Paul that he was writing about before his salvation. No, sir. Puts me in disagreement with people I even think a lot of. You know, sometimes here's something the world doesn't know anymore. That good people can disagree sometimes. Hello. We're at a place today where if you don't believe everything exactly the way I believe it, you hate me. That's where we're at. That's where we're at. No, it means we disagree. Paul is describing in Romans chapter 6 and 7 that the law will not save you. The law of Moses. And he's also beginning to, he's developing a narrative that not only will it not save you, but after you get saved, that it won't keep you. That it won't cause you to not act out in your flesh. Let me help you on a Sunday morning. Let me get down to where you can understand me just a minute. Knowing what to do will not cause you to do it. Knowing what's right won't cause you to do what's right. We live in a world. We live in a world where if we pass more laws, it'll fix the problem. It wasn't true then. 
It's not true now. Do we need laws? Yeah. How else are you going to know what, what you can do and what you can't do? But it would, the, the, law, the law of Moses was righteous. But it was weak through the flesh. It had no power in it. Let me help somebody. The stoplight out here at 12 and 62 is what I always look to. There's nothing wrong with the stoplight. Aren't you glad it's there? But the light turning red doesn't stop my tundra. The law's right, but it has no power. The law is right. Thou shalt not kill. Today we talk about you can't murder somebody. It's still the law of the land. But that bit, is the law right? Come on, somebody. Is that right? Not to murder people? Isn't that right? Being illegal to murder somebody doesn't stop anybody from murdering somebody. Why? Because the law has no power. I even think it's funny that we call officers and officers of the court law enforcement. Because you know what? Anytime you need law enforcement, the law's been broken. <laughs> they didn't enforce anything. They're just a cleanup crew. Verse 14, chapter 7, Paul says, So the trouble's not with the law. For it is spiritual and it's good. Hello? The trouble is with me. Boy, that's something you got to have. That, <laughs> here, watch this, Jeff. Everybody say, The trouble's with me. That's what I thought about half. Say it again. The trouble is with me. Boy, in our school, about 90% of the time when they have somebody down the hall with us, if we would learn it, the trouble is with me. Now, I'm not going to mention with one of my kids, but one of my kids, about 80% of the time when they were getting in trouble growing up, the problem was they couldn't mind their own business. They were, so all, they were always worried about somebody else was doing. They were doing this, they were doing well, so, Repeat after me. The trouble is me. Well, we live in a world where, you know, if you, if you were not raised in a great home and you get up and, an adult and you kill somebody, well, if, uh, their daddy was this and that. You know, I understand that environment, can, that environment is a factor. Y'all don't know this, but sometimes when you're preaching, you're, it's like you're plowing, and you can feel when you hit that stump. <laughs> Dead stop. You can feel it. Does our influences around us have a factor in our life? Certainly. Does it absolve me of responsibility if I come blow your brains out? No. You know what? It's against the law. And it's right, and it's good, it's spiritual, and it's right. But the law couldn't stop me from blowing your brains out. You know why? The trouble was me. 
Oh, I may, I may not be spitting this morning, but this is as solid as anything you're ever going to hear. Well, I can't do anything about it. You already told me that there's no power in my flesh. Let's keep talking. Let's keep, let's keep reading. Let's keep preaching. Are you all right? Because there is a remedy. There is an answer. So the trouble's not with the law, for it's spiritual. The trouble is with me. For I am all too human, a slave to sin. Let me help somebody before we go any further than that. Everybody, 100%, no exceptions, without Jesus as a Savior, is a slave to sin. You are not exceptional. Boy, one of the things we could get out of the mentality of the school system and the ball fields and everything else that we have is this idea of exceptional. You are, you are unique, just like everybody else. You are exceptional, just like everybody else. I'm trying to let y'all think about that a minute. It causes us lots of, this right here causes us lots of problems. Everybody thinks they're the exception. I was listening, it's been about 10 years ago now. I think I've told it before. I was, had 2020 on one night, it may have been 15. I, was, I mean, Barbara Walters was before they embalmed her. So it could have been 15, 20, 25 years ago. Pretty sure she was embalmed 20 years before they put her in the ground. <laughs> she was talking to a doctor, a Harvard-educated doctor. She was talking to her from a prison cell. And she was there because she committed a horrendous crime under the influence of hallucinogenic illegal drugs. This Harvard-educated doctor. I will never forget when she asked her questions about how someone like you. She was from an extremely wealthy family. She, was, she lived a life of privilege her entire life. Very intelligent. She was, she was accepted into Harvard. Everything. She had every privilege imaginable. An intact family. A religious, intact, highly educated, wealthy Family, are you with me? And Barbara Walters asked her, how does a person like you find yourself on LSD and committing heinous crimes? And her answer was, I thought I was exceptional. She said, I thought addiction was for dumb people. That's what she said. I thought addiction was for dumb people, people with no education, people that didn't know better. I thought I was smart enough that addiction couldn't take control of me. You know, there's some of that in all of us. There's some of that in all of us. That's called the sin nature. It's deceptive. 
15, verse 15. I don't really understand myself. For what I want to do, I really don't understand myself. For I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Now, for this, for this, for Sunday morning to do you any good, you're going to have to level with yourself. You're going to have to allow the Word of God by the Spirit of God to deal with you. That, it always has to be that way. But for, but for this morning to mean anything, for you to walk out with anything to change your life, and what we're on this morning will revolutionize, radically change your life if you get a hold of it. I really don't understand myself. This is Paul speaking. For what I want, I want to do what is right. This is saved Paul. But I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. That statement right there is how I know it was Paul, it saved Paul. Because a sinner doesn't hate their sin. A sinner may hate the consequences of their sin sometimes. But they, but they don't hate their sin. It's as na- Dane Hall would say it's as natural for a sinner to sin as it is for a duck to go barefoot. It's as natural for a sinner to sin as it is for a hog to waller in slop. Have you, ever, have you ever seen a hog that didn't love to waller in the mud? Why? Can I ask you a question? Why? Because it's their nature. It's what they are. It's who they are. It's what they do. A sinner don't hate to sin. A sinner, will go, a sinner will go to the bar, get beat to the ground, go back the next night, get beat to the ground again, get so drunk that they have to drag them home, lay in their own puke in the bed, and get up the next day, call their friends, and talk about what a great time they had. And go back and do it again. Mm. Boy, it is I want to do right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate, struggle. But if I know that what I'm I'm doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. Y'all are very attentive. You seem attentive, but you're like this. Do you understand what he's saying? He said, the very fact that I, that in me knows that this is what I need to do says that I agree with the law, that it's right. But I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. It's not that you disagree. It's one thing to disagree with the law. It's another thing to agree with the law, to know that it's right, want to do it, and don't.
Well, let me read a little further. I got a question. Verse 17. So I am not the one doing wrong. It's the sin living in me, the sin nature living in me that does it. Now, don't misunderstand the verse. You're not gonna, I can't punch you in the face and say, well, Matt, that wasn't me. That was my sin nature. There's times that would be real convenient, I must say. Damn! That wasn't me. No, he is talking about it wasn't, it's not an act, it's no longer an act of my will that I'm defiant to the law, that I'm rebellious. I want to do right, but I don't do it because of the sin nature. See, the sin nature doesn't just die. You know why? Because it's, you're still a human being. Mm. Here's where he says it. He says, and I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I told you you're going to have to level with yourself. I've told you you're going to have to get real. Now, it's easy to get real about other people, but you've got to get real about you. I can name a thousand things. I don't know what would be going on in your life, but how many have been there? That everything in you screamed, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Just don't do that. Don't go there. Don't do that. Don't go there. Don't do that. Don't be. Don't do. And what do you do? That. And what you just found out is your want to. Your will. Your will power. Has no power. To stop you from sinning. Let's call it what it is. Your willpower has no power to stop you from sinning. When you got saved, God didn't give you a super duper willpower. In fact, in fact, He says, His strength is made perfect where? In my weakness. When I know that the moment that I realize that I can't do it. The moment that I realize that I have no power over sin. The power, the moment that I realize that it's him that works in me. When I'm weak enough to realize that I don't have, I don't have the strength to overcome this thing on my own. It's the very moment whenever he says, aha, now we can get something done. Looking unto Jesus. Mm. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to, I'm not really doing, let me read that again. It doesn't matter what version you read it in, it's hard to read. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. 
But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing it. It's the sin living in me that does it. It's the sin nature. Let's call it, well, I wish they just translated it that way. Because that's what, it's the sin nature in you. Oh, you're going to struggle with that again. Oh, oh, it's not, don't worry about it, it's not me. That's not what he's talking about. What he's talking about is you can't overcome it by yourself. I have discovered this principle in life. That when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart. Here it is. But there is another power within me that is at war in my mind. The power that makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. King James says, oh, wretched man am I. Who, not what, who, not what, somebody hear it, who, who, not what will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death. Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So you see how it is in my mind. I really want to obey God's law. But because of my sin nature, I'm a slave to sin. We're going to read the victory in just a second. I want you to hear me. As I've already said, this is as as an important a Sunday as anything you've ever heard. Because it deals at the primal level of who we are. All of us. Without exception. I'll ask you, how many of us, your children, maybe, or let me have better yet, how many of it was you? Not a spiritual thing, just a rebellious thing. By the way, rebellion is spiritual. Always. How many of you have had that time where you talk, dude, don't do that. And if you do that, well, I don't know. Some of you know. If you do that, I'm going to give you a stern talking to. (laughs) My mama's sitting right there. She can witness. She never one time said to me, JR, if you do that, I'm going to give you a stern talking to. Y'all can do what you want to. But she said, if you do that, I'm going to tear your butt up. You got me? Capiche? Comprende? (laughs) You understand? You know what I did? Did it anyway. Did I the whole time? Maybe it's your little friend saying, come over. Mama told me not to. Oh, just for a little while. Across the, across the street. Well, Mama told me not. Mama told me she's going to tear my butt up. 
Some of y'all offended because I say butt. It's okay. You'll be all right. That's why she said she's going to tear my butt up. Well, just for a minute. About the time you're crossing the median, the middle line, she walks out the door. And as she is keeping good on her promise, in circular fashion, normally, y'all don't know what that means. It means she got hold of one arm. I'd run her until she was dizzy. No. <laughs> but then she says, why in the world did you do that? And you, with all the honesty you can muster, you wouldn't, you say, I don't know. No, for real. You, 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 you stood out there and struggled with it. You knew what she said. You knew if she caught you. It's the same thing that causes people. You can go, it's the same thing that causes people to rob banks and think they're going to get away with it and live happily ever after with somebody else's money. They know it's wrong? Of course they know it's wrong. That's right. That's why they wear a mask. Anybody ever stuck stuck fork in an outlet? Me and Matt have. Nobody, me and Matt's the only one that's ever blown a receptacle. I knew when I was doing it, what it was going to do to me. I knew it was wrong. Y'all, I'm trying to come down your row. I'm talking, sin's dumb. I'm telling you right now, sin is dumb. Sin is foolish. Sin is insane. Sin is crazy. And you'll do it knowing what's going to happen to you. You can have a man that loves his wife, loves his kids. Period. Not a facade. They love them. And they're struggling in addiction. They're a drunk. And, and that woman that he loves tells him that if you, if, if you don't stop, if you don't quit drinking all of our money, if we can't pay our rent, if you don't stop, I'm not taking another drunk beating from you. We're talking about things that they would never do sober. Never. I'm not paying one more fine. I'm not, we're not spending everything on, on bail one more time. Do you hear me? If you, if, you, if you don't stop, I'm taking the kids and I'm leaving. It's not what I want to do. I just can't do this anymore. I love you, but I've gone as far as I can go. Do you understand me? And he does understand. And he does love her. And he does love those kids.
Maybe it's the next day. Maybe it's the next week. Maybe it's six months from now. Because there's sometimes your old will can work in you pretty good for a while. Because you know, you've, you've, you've been told, it's been articulated quite clearly. And you know what? You believed her. You knew she meant what she said. You, know, you knew it. There was never a doubt in your mind. She's done. You may even said things like, God help me. Well, that makes me want to detour right there. God help me. But you don't live for him. Don't even try to. That's because people want a savior, but they don't want a Lord. They want a, they want a, they want a, a celestial, spiritual bail bondsman. But they don't want a Lord. You believed her. And whatever time span it was, on the way home, all the way, you're thinking, don't, don't, don't even go down that street. And you get down there to the stop sign, the line turns green, and you turn right instead of left. When you know, when you turn, if you, you know when you turn right that you were done. Are y'all with me? You follow me? There are some things, Jason, that if you turn the knob, you're done. Not, not, it, Maybe just because it's not right that instant that you cross, you cross the line you on your, and you know it. You know in you, you know in you because see that was, the, that was the barrier that your will put there. And you know when you crossed your will that you've, you've done it. This is solid. And there you are turning into the bar. There you are turning into the drive through at the liquor store. There you are. I got it. It's a, and one led to two and two led to three. And you don't know what to do because you believed her. And you know what? She did mean it. And you knew it. See, you didn't want to, but you did. You say, oh, I don't believe they didn't want to. I asked you 20 minutes ago to get real with yourself. Somewhere in your mind, you've already went there, the things that, that you knew that it was destructive. You knew you had to stop. You knew that it was going to destroy you. You knew that it was going to cause heartache. You knew that you know, and, and you know it, and you didn't want to, and here you are, you do it anyway. Hear me. I hadn't said it in a long time. But Paul's laying the case, and I'm making the case too. That the power of sin is stronger than the heartache that it causes. Do you want to know how people blow their life up when they knew better? When they didn't want to, when, they, when something in them knows that, it was, that it's true, that something in there somewhere don't they, they, they want free or, or they at least don't want the consequences of it. How does it happen? 
How do people destroy their lives? How do you destroy your life? Oh, it may not have been that way, but there was another way. Because people always want to look at the drunk that struggles with alcohol. Or look at the one struggling and met with methamphetamine. Or look at the one, but they don't want to deal with the workaholic. I got to speed up, but I cannot. That their Lord has become their ability, their Lord has become their ability to generate revenue. We, we will honor that. We'll say, that's a working man. We'll honor that and say, oh, that's a provider. We'll honor that and say, you know, look at all that he's provided. But they don't have him. There are some sins that we honor. All the time it's destroying their life. So you got to stop. I need that conversation. Is that maybe it's happened to you in this room? Baby, I appreciate that you try to provide for your family, but I need you. Your kids need you. They don't even know who you are. You're, you're an absentee in your home. You sleep in your home every night, but you're as absentee as, as the one that hasn't been there in a year. How do you overcome it? The things I know to do, I don't do. The things I... I, I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, that's the things I do. That's say, that is the Apostle Paul. Struggle, Jeff. Oh, wretched man am I. Who will deliver me from this body of death? I painted it one time, that body of death in that Roman times was when, when you had killed someone, you had murdered someone. And they would take that corpse and tie it around that, the perpetrator's neck and make him carry it around. The man that you killed, strap him to your body and make you carry it. And it begins to rot and decay. And that rot and decay begins to creep into your healthy tissue and your healthy back and begins to break down you and begins to break through your skin and get into, get into your bloodstream, make you septic. It be, that's the dead body. I'm alive, but it's strapped to me. And it's slowly killing me. It begins to stink. It begins to get nasty. It begins to get bloated. It begins to slough off. It begins to, it, it, it's, it's corruption and it's filth. And I'm alive and it's dead. And, it's, and Paul is talking about, I'm hauling around this dead body on me and it's killing me. Who shall deliver me from this body of death? I want to obey God's law. See, we have, King James talks about the law of sin in Romans chapter 7. That's spiritual law. The law of the sin nature. There's the law of Moses. That's God's law. That's law. I told you just a week or so ago that the only thing that can supersede law is a higher law. State law, federal law. State can make a law. If the federal law has a law on the same subject, who wins? The federal law. Why? Because the only thing that can supersede a law is a stronger law. We have the law of sin, of sin nature and death. We have the law of Moses that's righteous but has no power. It says, 
And, it, and Paul finds himself at the, at the age-old question, why are we taking Sunday morning to teach something so fundamental? Because I guarantee you 70% of the people in this room have never heard this fundamental basis of how to live for God. I guarantee you, you've heard you need to be saved, you need to quit sinning, you need to be righteous, and nobody's ever told you how. Or even described to you that when you got saved that your will wasn't going to change, wasn't going to change and make, cause you to stop sinning. That, it is a, that it's not a flesh, it's a, it's a spiritual conversion that begins to take the sin out of your life. That begins to radically change who you are. There's a, there's a superseding law that comes into all of this. And, it, and as soon as Paul says it at the end, for, at the end of chapter 7, I really want to obey God's law, but, there's, but because of the sinful nature in me, I'm a slave to sin. But he says, but now. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Who walk not after the flesh, that's so key, but after the Spirit. Hear me, at 12, 17, the Corinthian church, it's so much, Matt. Like I see the Pentecostal churches taught people that if you fail at all, you're lost. That is as error and as wrong as anything that's ever been taught. Go read what the Corinthian church looked like. He wrote to the brethren at the church at Corinth. And he talked about there is sin among you so grievous that it's not even named among the Gentiles, you filthy bunch. Clean your act up. He didn't say run to the altar and get saved. That's not what he said. They were saved. But they were carnal, sold unto sin. He said you can't keep living that way. Here's how to get out of it. Nobody's told us how. In fact, they've condemned us, shot us in the circle of firing squad, kicked us out of the church, and then people wonder why they never came back. Because they were in a struggle and nobody told them how to get out. I've spent the last 45 minutes or an hour, whatever it's been, laying out the problem, and nobody's ever told us how to get out of the problem. We read there's therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus, but we quit reading. It says there's therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. You can be saved and under condemnation and miserable because you're walking in the flesh. You're carnal. That's what it means. There is this saved Paul. Talking about his miserable position. How can saved be miserable? Did you know that saved can be miserable? Paul saved Paul was miserable, Matt. Wretched man am I. Who shall deliver me from this body of death? What am I going to do? I'm saved, but I, the things I want to do, I don't. The things I don't want to do, I do. I'm just, I, 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 my behavior is much like my, my hillion friends but my heart has changed that, that's what <laughs> y'all it's your soul and your spirit that gets saved the difference is because you didn't care before 
The, the, I'm trying to describe the war that begins to happen in you when you get saved. When your want-tos change, but the how-tos hadn't came yet. Ooh. Remember Clendenin? Y'all remember him? That brawler? That drunk brawler that'd rather fight than eat? Y'all remember him? Y'all Beaumont people? Some of you too young don't even know him. But let me tell you, B.H. Clendenin was a Pentecostal preacher in Beaumont that changed the world. Probably more honored and famous after his death than he ever was alive. But the man changed the world. And he was a brawler. He was rough. He was rough as a cob. Offshore worker. Rather fight than eat. And he got saved at a tent meeting, a camp meeting. And he went back out on the rig and somebody started off to him. First rattle out of the box and he laid them out just like he always did. Hooked, laid them out. Went to his preacher, what, what am I going to do? Nothing. I, I'm just like I always was. He said, no, you're not. He said, what do you mean? He said, I've done what I always did. He said, yeah, but you never come to the preacher feeling bad about it. You never cared before. You were just happy that you whooped somebody. But now you're sitting here in front of me saying, what am I going to do? I don't want to be that way anymore. I laid him out, and it was wrong. He said, you never cared before. You just assumed fight as eat. Saved. But carnal, what do I do? He says, there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. We walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. He says, for the law. I told you, the only thing that supersedes a law is higher law. We got the law of sin and death. He's just talking about in Romans chapter 7. You got the, uh, the law of Moses is righteous, but it has no power. He says, he says, but through the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Listen, you can be free from the law of sin and death, but it'll only be, it won't be from your willpower. It won't be, it won't be because you prayed too longer than anybody else. It, it won't be because you knew more word than anybody else. It won't be because you never missed a church service. You, is the disciplines of God wrong? No, of course not. You need the word. You need the prayer life. You need the assembling of yourself together. That's all scriptural, but it's not what delivers you from the power of the sin nature. The power of the sin nature comes when you submit your life to the will of Christ. It is a a spiritual change. If a man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. It changed your want-tos immediately. But the how-tos is still out there. That's why I said to the Galatian church, are you so foolish? What did Romans, what did Romans 12 and 1 deal with? There's therefore no condemnation them in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. What does John 3, chapter 3 deal with with Jesus and Nicodemus? He says, you must be born again, Nicodemus. And Nicodemus says, how? I enter again into my mother's womb? And Jesus said, oh no. Whatever's of flesh, whatever's born of flesh is flesh. Whatever's born of spirit is spirit. Spirit's never overcame by flesh. Carnal nature, will, your own will, never. What did he say to the Galatian church? Are you so foolish, having began in the spirit, that you think you're going to be perfected 
in the flesh. It's not, it's not. Victory is not in you. Boy, that must be why they wrote the song. Victory is in Jesus. Victory is not in you. Victory is in Jesus. See, in me, there dwells no good thing. But see, I'm in him. And he's in me. And in him is everything. Why do you think it says, if a man is, where? In Christ. He's a new creation. Why think Ephesians, some 70-something times in Ephesians, Paul talked about being in him. In whom? In Christ. In Christ Jesus. It's in him. The writer of Hebrews said it. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher. Listen, he's the beginning. He's how you got saved. He's the finisher. He's how you live for him. It's in him. And I've run out of time, and you still don't understand. Brandon, come play. Because you need to. See, what we understand very clearly in the church world today, mostly, we understand justification. We understand how we got saved. That Jesus paid it all, all to him I own. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. We understand we couldn't save ourselves. We understand what it is to get justification for our sin to be washed away, just as if I never sinned. To be put in right standing with God because we're justified before God by the blood of Jesus. But let me help you. The same blood that saves you. The same faith in the same blood that saves you is the same faith that will break the power of sin off your life. It's that simple and it's that complicated because our human nature, Matt, our human nature is to do something. That's our human nature. Mostly penance. God's not into penance. He's into repentance. He's into looking to Jesus. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. But Christ lives in me. For the life I now live in the flesh, I'm still in the flesh. People always worried about shouting and rejoicing in church, afraid they're going to get in the flesh. You are. I'm, everything I do is in the flesh. Everything I do is in the flesh. That's all I got. It's a body. For the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I need more time, but I don't have it. But I need you to understand something. When you get saved, you change your want-tos. When you keep looking to him, he'll give, he is your how-to. Because I can't, but he did. And I'm in him. I, I'm going to have to pick it up tonight. So some of you are going to have to watch it later or, or Lord forbid you come back. Uh, 
I don't care really which one you do. I really don't. The Word's Word. Stand with me. Preacher, I love the Lord. I'm saved. I know I'm saved. I know I am. By the way, if you're saved, you should know you are. I'll say that. And I'm going to say that again because I didn't say it right. If you're saved, you know you are. If you don't know you are, now that don't mean I feel like I'm saved every day. Because some days I feel like punching you in the face. Y'all say, y'all say, they all think I'm just being silly when I say that. No. But you know what? There's some things this old flesh has victory over because of what I'm talking about because, I, because, I don't, because I, I'm walking after the Spirit, not the flesh. See, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, meekness, temperance, Self, self-control. <laughs> so some days I don't feel saved. Some days I want to punch people. Some days I want to give them the last little bit of mind I've got left. And you know what, Jeff? Sometimes, breaking news, sometimes I still struggle with that. Not 20 years ago, today, right now, sometimes I still struggle with that. There's a lot of things I still struggle. Somebody needs to know their pastor struggles. Because you do. This world needs to see people that are real. That don't try to pretend like that you, at some point you become something that doesn't have to live by the Word of God. That doesn't have to walk in the Spirit every day of my life. You've got to choose to walk in the Spirit. And you come and say, Preacher, I'm saved. But oh my God, I'm struggling with this. I don't want to, but I'm still doing it. The more I don't want to, the more I want to. Yeah. And though before that, well, you just need to pray more. Well, I prayed until I can't go to work. I've got to go to work sometime. Well, I need to read more Bible. I, well, I, I'm, I'm, I've read until I'm cross-eyed. Those are good things. You've got to have the Word. You've got to pray. But it won't deliver you from sin. I stood you up to give you hope. Uh, I want you to hear something. And don't get all cross-eyed on me about, I'm just going to tell you about me. Because I remember, hear what I say in full. Some of you heard it. I smoked for 10 years. Loved the Lord and smoked for 10 years. I've told you that before. People's asked me, somebody asked me in a church meeting, can you go to heaven smoking? I said, yeah, probably quicker. It was, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about something that controlled my life that wasn't the Holy Spirit. You're not hearing me. I'm talking about, well, it stole my money. It will kill you. <laughs> It'll destroy your health. So the thief comes, but to steal, kill, and destroy. So I can tell you where that comes from. Oh. 
And I remember paying for movies and getting up in the middle of them and missing things with, because I needed to go outside and smoke. I remember leaving family gatherings because I needed to go smoke. I remember leaving early because some people didn't know I smoked like I couldn't smell me. I'm talking about when the fire of God was falling at First Assembly in Van Buren and I would leave it. Walk out of a service where the power of God was falling like rain because I needed to smoke. I remember that day, Jeff. And you know what? I had tried. And tried. And tried. And when I would try, Lisa would say, after about four days, she'd say, for goodness sakes, just smoke. (laughs) Not because she wanted me to fail, because I was mean and hateful. I wanted to, but I didn't have the power to. Are y'all hearing me? And one day, I'd left service early. I was driving off the parking lot on Fayetteville Road, top of Logtown Hill. Looking to the right and saw that sign and said, you're now entering the mission field. And I was rolling down my window. Marlboro in the lip. And I said, Lord, I can't do this anymore. I cannot do this anymore. I love you. And this is controlling my life. It wasn't about people wanting to argue over if you could smoke and go to heaven. It wasn't about if you stunk. It wasn't about spending. It wasn't about any of those things. It was about, it was controlling my life. I was leaving the things of God so I could have that. Anything that's taking you away from the things of God is that. Let me tell you, it doesn't matter what it is. And I said, God, I've tried and I can't do it. You're going to have to help me. And as sure as I'm speaking to you today, he spoke to me that day. and wasn't audible, but it might as well have been. He said, now I can help you. Now I can help you. The moment that I understood that I didn't have the power to stop sinning. The moment that I didn't understand, that, that I understood that there was no discipline that was going to give me victory. There was no willpower that was going to be high enough. If willpower would work, all the gyms would be closed because past January 1st, nobody would need them anymore. Planet Fitness would have to go out of business, but you know what? It's going to be there next January. We wouldn't need Jenny Craig or any of the rest. We wouldn't have all of the phony substitutes. Every 12 steps to this, it's one step to Jesus. Looking unto Jesus. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. I've spent a long time this morning. This is normal, by the way. If you come to MAG and thinking you were leaving at quarter to 12, mm, mm. Quarter to one, maybe. (laughs) Just look at it like a a triple overtime. People love that. 
It's then and only then. It doesn't matter what the it is. I, don't, I hope you're hearing it. It was when I realized that I couldn't. That he said, now you get it. You can't, but I can. Hear me. If you can believe this, this man named Jesus that lived a sinless, perfect life 2,000 years ago can go to a cross shed his blood in your place that when you accept him as Lord and Savior when you confess him as Lord and Savior that he can wash your sins away make you brand new cleanse your heart separate sin from you to change your change your eternal destination then surely you can believe he can deliver you from that Amen. it's what he came for he's not just a savior He's a deliverer. And if you'll begin today, placing your faith in who He is for everything, not just your salvation, for everything. You got a filthy mouth? Can't stop. Give Him your mouth. You got a pornography addiction? Give Him your phone. You got a, you're an abuser. Give it all to him. Give him your attitude. Give him your mind. Give him your thoughts. Give him your, really give him your hurts. Give him your wounds. Because hurting people hurt people. That's why molesters molest and abusers, beaters beat. But he stops it. All over this place. Heavenly Father, help me today. There's no power in my words. But there's power in your blood. There's power that comes by your spirit. A demonstration of power. A dem- you can demonstrate yourself when people dance and they shout. And they, and they operate in the gifts of the spirit. But the greatest power you ever displayed was the power over sin. The greatest power you ever displayed was victory over the world, the flesh, and the devil. The greatest power you ever displayed was, was, was changing the heart of man where they become something different than who they were. Nobody changes without a spiritual change. It will not happen. But Jesus changes everything. Father, today across this room, Maybe for the first time they've heard how you, li- how you can live for you. They identify with the struggle. But never understood that there's victory. Lord, today, right now, help. Mag Church, I realize the time, and I don't even know why I care anymore. But I will say this on this Sunday morning, if you need to slip out, right now would be the time to do it. And please do it reverently and quietly. Don't open the doors, just slip out. But if you're here today and you're more interested in getting free than you are what time the buffet is over. If you're more interested in victory than you are what time the ball game starts. If that's you today, would you come present yourself? Not to me. Nobody's going to ask you a single question. It's nobody's business what's going on in your life. 
But would you take a step of faith right now and come say, God, I, you know what he need? I need you. I'm saved, but I need you. I struggle. I'll, I'll be the first one. I, I struggle. I struggle. There's things I need victory over. Why, why carry it out the door? Maybe it's a rebellious spirit. It's that's the sin of witchcraft. Maybe it's a destructive attitude, a cancerous attitude that destroys your home. Maybe it is addiction. Maybe it is sexual immorality. Maybe it's pornography. Maybe it's hurt and hate. Maybe it's unforgiveness. There's nothing harder than unforgiveness. Is it you? Is it you today? Do not stand in your seat and walk out the door the same way that you came in. If you'll take a step towards him, he'll make up the distance, I promise you.